and and then handling situations uh, where elder abuse has happened. So anyway, I, my name is Jim Shulman. Um, you see a picture of me. That is not a glamour shot. One of these days we'll get a better one. Um, but uh, anyway, we're um, we're glad everybody's on the phone. Um, the agenda is on your right. Quarterly data update, legislative updates, uh, elder abuse, just a discussion overall, and then we'll have time for questions. And uh, if you have questions throughout this webinar, if you'll please type them in the chat box uh, and then send them in, and uh, we'll see if we have time for questions at the end. And if we don't, then I think we have a way to make sure that we get them answered for you and get them sent back to you, all right? <clears throat> so uh, typically, if you're new to this webinar, we usually give you updates on numbers. Uh, so this is the second quarter of uh, 2017, October to December. Uh, and what you're seeing on the, um, on the screen um, is the number of meals, the number of people that we um, served during that period of time. Uh, home delivered meals, uh, over 308,000 meals and 5,500 so uh, people. Congregate meals, uh, 207,000 meals were served during that period of time uh, with 8,723 people. Congregate meals are, for those of you who don't know, are meals served as in a congregate setting like a senior center where people actually come to a place and eat together, um, which is actually very important for social interaction which will become relevant uh, a little further on in our talk today. Uh, family caregivers, we helped about, well, 800 individuals. Uh, our options program, which is our homemaker personal care service program for those folks who are not Medicaid eligible. Uh, we helped or served in some capacity 2,374 individuals. Uh, that's actually up um, from the second quarter of uh, 2016, that same quarter, that's good. Uh, we have some additional money thanks to the General Assembly, tremendous thanks to the General Assembly and the Governor uh, for some additional recurring funding in that options program. That's why our numbers are up there. And the SHIP program, which is the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, which provides Medicare assistance, uh, helped during that period of time, 33,811 individuals. Some of you may know that that was uh, open enrollment for Part D plans October through December. So uh, a lot of people being helped during this period of time. So uh, again, typically during this period of time when we, when we have a webinar, we'll give you a legislative update. Uh, the RAISE Act passed, that's a federal law. You can see the uh, acronym and what it stands for. It was signed into law by the president on January 22nd. Uh, requires health and human services to develop, maintain, and update a strategy to recognize and support family caregivers. Um, the importance of that is that people are actually recognizing caregivers uh, and recognizing the importance of caregivers. Uh, we'll see what they come up with in terms of um, a strategy, but the idea was, uh, I believe this was um, very bipartisan legislation because I think people do understand that um, particularly as um, our country gets older in terms of its population, and the baby boomers, as you know, are turning 65 in very rapid numbers. Um, the understanding that people are actually recognizing this and concentrating on stuff like uh, caregivers is very, very important. So I'm uh, pleased with that. Um, and as most of you probably know, federal government has uh, had a continuing resolution passed, runs through February 8, 2018. That means our programs that are coming from the federal government continue to get funded and government stays open. 
keep an eye on that, particularly from the ship standpoint, because our ship funding is sort of tied into that. Uh, we're not sure what's going to happen with the ship program. That funding does come from the federal government. Um, it's been on the block before in terms of being cut. It's a very important program for us. We wanted to continue. We've um, had lots of good discussions with our congressional delegation about that. Um, but we have to watch the continuing resolution, see what they do with the budget in order to kind of understand our ship funding. Uh, from a state standpoint, uh, Palliative Care and Quality of Life Task Force, this was a very interesting group of people, great um, uh, folks from around the state, got together for several meetings at the end of 2017. That's the bill that uh, created that task force, Senate Bill 1170 and House Bill 629. Uh, that task force got together and submitted a report to the Tennessee General Assembly on uh, January 16th. Uh, very strong group of people on one of their main recommendations, as you can look at the uh, new legislation that's coming, is um, uh, creating a, um, an ongoing advisory group of folks uh, that will continue to talk about this. Uh, the next one, the Public Guardian Working Group. Uh, there's the bill, Senate bill and House bill that created the Public Guardian Working Group. It's a group of people that went around the state, um, a strong group of people, lots of contributions. In terms of looking at a program that was created in the 1980s and really hadn't gotten any more funding since the 80s, uh, this is that program of last resort where people who, when they're older, uh, 60 plus, um, they um, get to the point where they are incapable of taking care of themselves or incapable of making decisions and they need someone appointed to do that. These are folks that are out there that um, don't have a uh, financial institution to do it, don't have a sibling, don't have a parent, don't have a friend. There's nobody left to, to help and the court is stuck with a situation where uh, somebody needs to step in. That's what the Public Guardian Program was created for. Uh, the report has been submitted to the Tennessee General Assembly, same day, January 16th of 2018, and I believe you may see uh, ongoing legislation or at least ongoing discussions about that um, as the legislative session moves ahead. Excuse me. Um, so 2018 legislative update, we've got a couple of bills going, and I think I just talked about some of them. Uh, the first bill, Senate Bill 1777 and House Bill 1750 by Senator Rusty Crow and by Representative Carr. Uh, that's a mapping, that's a brand new piece of legislation that um, encourages, well, it actually directs FinCare, uh, excuse me, uh, PCAD to um, basically put together a map of all funding and resources for Tennesseans age 60 plus. Um, there is a similar um, program that is run out of the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth that does the exact same thing for children. Um, this is a bill that's um, uh, going to move, I think, fairly quickly. It is basically a brand new tool for people to resource map all funding and resources for seniors and the older Tennesseans and get that out to people so people can understand what's going on around the state and actually tie into that. Very important. Um, don't have any doubt that it will pass. Um, kind of like an independent guide so people will have some idea of, of and what's going on in the state. Uh, the next bill is the bill that I just talked about, the State Palliative Care and Quality of Life Council. That's that advisory committee that would be uh, selected uh, if it passes uh, to continue the discussions about palliative care. 
And then the next bill, Senate Bill 2077 by Senator Yeager and House Bill 2117 by Representative Kumar, um, is the Public Guardian Bill. And at this point, what it basically does um, is um, change the age. Right now we're 60 plus, but we've got a lot of folks who are um, in that 40 to 60 range who are particularly adults with disabilities. You know, as medicine has progressed, as new uh, programs have progressed, uh, we have people living longer who have disabilities. And they're turning 40, and the parents who have taken care of them for years are starting to pass away, and there's nobody left to take care of these um, adults. And so there's been some emphasis by the disability coalitions and even by the courts to see if we can lower that age. So we'll see where that goes in terms of discussion. All right, so um, we're here to talk about elder abuse. All right, so what you have in front of you is um, the definition of elder abuse that's actually in the code, uh, 716-102-A1. Uh, elder abuse, an intentional act or failure to act by a caregiver or another person in a relationship involving an expectation of trust that causes or creates a risk of harm to an older adult. Um, Lots of different forms, unfortunately, of elder abuse, and you can see them listed there, everything from physical abuse to um, exploitation. Um, elder abuse, um, very un underreported. So 4% to 7% of all cases are reported. Uh, that's obviously very scary uh, and very depressing. So a lot of people, um, a lot of cases are out there that don't get reported. Approximately one in 10 Americans age 60 plus have experienced some form of elder abuse. That would equal about 146,000 Tennesseans age 60 plus. A lot of cases not get reported. Um, embarrassment, uh, people upset. You know, they financially exploited. They can't believe they've been taken, taken advantage of. Uh, and one of the other main things is, and you'll see this in just a minute, um, a lot of times those uh, abuse cases are committed by family members or by caregivers. And so there's a concern about turning in a family member or losing the one basic area of support that they actually have by turning in a caregiver. Um, these are um, very difficult. It's a significant problem. Uh, De Department of Human Services, the Adult Protective Services Division of that, um, during, uh, I think, the calendar year 20, I think it's 2017, uh, 2016, 2017, um, I can show those years. Um, a DHS, APS, that's where you would call if you have a situation regarding elder abuse. Last year, they investigated 11,000 cases. And if you're looking at the fact that most of them don't get reported, then that should be a very big concern for a lot of people. Older adults at increased risk. Um, it's interesting to look at this. These are people based upon um, studies. These are folks that um, are much more susceptible to being a victim of elder abuse. Low social support. Um, again, if there's not a lot of people around to help somebody, they're much more easy, um, unfortunately, to be taken advantage of. Folks that have dementia uh, or functional impairment. Uh, folks that are on lower income tend to be much more likely to be a victim of elder abuse. Uh, so that females are much more likely to be uh, at increased risk. And unfortunately, um, people who have a history of traumatic events, which 
just somehow people know about that and it just continues the cycle and it just goes on. So again, those are the list of uh, uh, areas that uh, where people are much more susceptible to being victims. Um, elder abuse, uh, you'll see on the chart uh, symptoms of elder abuse because everything from physical, financial, sexual, and neglect and self-neglect and emotional, uh, those are symptoms that you can take a look at. Um, and then on the right is the Tennessee Department of Human Services Adult Protective Services. Uh, you can click on that or just download that and click on it. And there's a, a very good brochure that adult, uh, that adult Protective Services puts out that you can download. It's, um, it's full of very good information. Um, this was the slide that I talked about before. So perpetrators. Um, and what's so scary about this is that most often it is a family member. Uh, spouses, children. Uh, I wish I could tell you that it wasn't, but it is. Um, and then you can look at the list of the, the rest of it, uh, friends and neighbors. Uh, home care aides, and then obviously strangers. But um, you know, based upon the demographics that we see, uh, most often uh, the perpetrators of elder abuse and financial exploitation is a family member. So Tennessee is a mandatory reporting state uh, when it comes to um, um, elder abuse. You, there is a mandatory duty to report. Uh, that's in Title 71, it's 71-6103B. Uh, it's in the um, uh, Adult Protective Services part of the code. Any person having reasonable cause to suspect that an adult has suffered abuse, neglect, or exploitation shall report or cause reports to be made. So um, anybody that fits in that category, which is persons, financial institutions, anybody, you have a reasonable cause to suspect that somebody and that an adult has been abused. Uh, you have a mandatory duty to report. So <clears throat> there's numbers to there's numbers to call if you think that that's a, a situation that's going on. Um, if it's obviously emergency, you call 911. If you suspect elder abuse, uh, that's the number for Adult Protective Services. And if the abuse is going on in a nursing home or long-term care facility, uh, we have the Tennessee Long-Term Care Ombudsman. That's the number you can call, that 877-236-0013. And you should also call Adult Protective Services. Ombudsmen provide advocacy services for people who are in nursing home and long-term care facilities. Uh, they are there to protect the people there. So oftentimes, somebody will tell them. Um, so then they can take... Um, they can take action if that's what the, the client wants. Or, uh, and also at that point, you should also call the Adult Protective Services. You should always call Adult Protective Services because, again, remember, we're a mandatory reporting state. Um, so this slide, um, uh, when we were looking at this, this was, um, this may be the most, um, uh, well, I don't know if it's difficult or just, because, you know, it's one of those things where you want to prevent elder abuse, so you don't know how many situations you actually protected people from. But based upon the information we receive, these are some of the best ways to prevent elder abuse from ever happening. Uh, prevent, um, provide community support. All right, so uh, that would mean um, you want to you prevent social isolation. You want to provide 
assistance, communication for people who are somehow because, um, um, in this case, because they're getting older, for some reason they have become much more isolated. They may not be able to travel as much. They don't have transportation. Uh, they're bas basically kind of cut off by themselves. Um, things that you can do, um, making phone calls, checking on people, go visit. That's one of the benefits of Meals on Wheels is that not only do they get a meal, but they get social interaction. Sometimes that Meals on Wheels provider is the only person they see during the day. Uh, get them involved. Um, you know, people want to go take go to activities, go to a senior center, go to a church service. Um, prevent somebody from being socially isolated. Access to services that provide supports, those are the meals, transportation, so forth, helps in terms of not being socially isolated. And services to address the underlying cause of the abuse, um, you know, you're trying to give people services that they need, which actually helps them along in terms of both their quality of life and in terms of just uh, getting them in a situation where they're not so easily uh, abused by somebody else. Um, protection against financial abuse and exploitation. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but um, you know, people get abused all the time financially. They're taken advantage by so many people out there, uh, not only by family members, but by uh, scammers. Uh, this one's a real difficult one. Uh, we have lots of situations where people get abused, get their finances taken away from them, and that puts more responsibility on the government in the end. And uh, the last one you see is educate the public and practitioners. Um, again, we want people to be aware of what elder abuse is, what are the signs, what are the symptoms, what's going on, and step in uh, if you suspect, uh, suspect that something's going on. Um, current initiatives by the federal government. Uh, this is, uh, they have a memorandum on financial institution and law enforcement efforts. This is coming out of the, the federal government particularly um, an effort to describe how suspicious activity reports, which are known as SARS, can aid law enforcement investigating officers in terms of cases involving financial exploitation. So uh, financial institutions are required to file one of those things if they think something suspicious is going on. And so there's a webinar coming up uh, that you can certainly uh, tie into if you're interested uh, next Wednesday on February the 7th from 2 to 3.15 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Google it. It's coming out of the Administration on Community Living. Um, it's a um, it's going to be an interesting um, situation because we've heard uh, when we worked on elder abuse before, uh, we know about suspicious activity reports and we know how important they can be uh, by getting that information to the right people so you can quickly take action when necessary. Another initiative that's going on in the federal government, uh, Department of Elder, uh, Justice, Elder, Department of Justice and the Elder Justice Task Forces are going on. Uh, there were 10 regional task forces set up across the nation. Uh, Middle Tennessee was selected as one, um, and it's being led by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Middle Tennessee. That's a good thing for us from the standpoint that um, it means that we're uh, making some headway. It means there's some attention going on in Tennessee to this problem. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening in Tennessee, and uh, you'll see in just a minute another slide of some of the things we're working on. But um, uh, these are um, this is just another aspect of how important some of the, the focus is on Tennessee in terms of trying to deal with this situation. So um, last year, um, uh, with 
tremendous gratitude to the uh, General Assembly. Uh, Tennessee made some major strides in terms of dealing with uh, elder abuse and financial exploitation. A lot of this came from a, an elder abuse task force that was put together um, from some work by Senator Rusty Crow, uh, Senator Gardenhire out of Chattanooga, uh, Representative Carr out of Gatlinburg, and former Senator Douglas Henry. Uh, we're on that elder abuse task force along with a number of departments and agencies. I uh, spent about two years working on it, and there was a number of major things that came out of it, uh, including that top one, which deals with uh, financial institutions and actually sets up a way for if financial institutions or financial service providers feel like somebody's being taken advantage of, they can actually step in and hold transactions. That is a major step in the state of Tennessee. We're so appreciative of Senator Norris and Representative Brooks for carrying it. Appreciative uh, of all the folks that were involved in it, including um, the banks and the credit unions. Uh, this is a major step in Tennessee to actually, um, with no liability for these banks, but if they want to, they can step in and hold a transaction and they can actually do some tremendous good by actually protecting uh, their customers who are older. Uh, the bottom one, Elderly and Vulnerable Adult Protection Act, <clears throat> that is, um, that was Senate Bill 1230 and House Bill 810 by also Senator Norris and uh, Representative Keithling. Um, that actually increased the penalties for people who were caught um, financially exploiting uh, individuals who are 70 and older. Uh, we may see more movement on that bill this year in terms of uh, lowering that, um, lowering the age, but at that point, because of the, uh, uh, Fiscal impact of the bill, I think they started by sticking with 70, but um, that, again, is also a major step in Tennessee in terms of um, dealing with um, elder abuse and actually finding better ways to protect our older population. Um, a couple of current initiatives that are going on within uh, the Tennessee Commission on Aging and Disability, BankSafe. Um, that's a program that's coming out of AARP. It's a training program for financial institutions that they can download and actually participate in. It's designed to protect older consumers from financial exploitation. Um, a very good program, you ought to take a look at it. Um, it's another step in terms of everybody kind of working together to find better ways to protect the people that we serve. Um, a couple of other initiatives. Um, Model Approaches for Senior Legal Needs. Um, that is a, uh, the Senior Legal Helpline, that's the number. Uh, that's a new program for people 60 years of age and over. Also for caregivers, where they can actually call and get a, a real lawyer on the phone who will actually provide some very direct information. They don't, um, they won't handle, take your case and then run with it. What they're doing is providing you some advice and giving you some directions on what you may need to do. And um, the bottom program is VOCA, which is a, um, um, a federally funded program. Um, that is services to people who have been victims of crime, victims of elder abuse. We have three pilot programs that are starting in February of 2018. Uh, we have six additional programs starting in May of 2018. And um, it's a statewide program, uh, first of its kind in Tennessee. This is a big deal. Uh, keep an eye on that program because, again, that is designed to help people who have already been victims. Um, there have never been a lot of services for people who find themselves the victims of elder abuse. Um, 
this is a program that actually helps that. So uh, we're interested to see how that works. Um, community resource guide that was developed internally within our agency. Um, we have printed 3,000 copies of this um, this guide, and as you can see, there is a page in there of reporting elder abuse and neglect. Um, you can go to our website, uh, www.tn.gov forward slash uh, aging. I'm always bad with the forward slash and the backslash, but I think this is a forward slash. If I'm wrong, just switch it. Um, aging, type in aging, you'll pull this up, and then you can find the community resource guide, and then you can see what that page looks like. That page was designed to make it easy for people to get the information they need to be able to call and find out who they need to talk to. And that completes my uh, presentation. So it's uh, 2.10. We've got about five minutes left. See if we have any questions for people that ask. Again, um, you can type them in on the chat box. Um, and then um, whatever questions we don't get to, uh, we can always send an email to you after the fact. So um, let's see, I've got one that's come in. Excuse me. Um, on my glasses so I can see. There will always be people who try to take advantage of individuals who are weak and vulnerable. Can we really prevent elder abuse? Um, you know, it's tough. Obviously, there's a lot of, it happens quite a bit. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's happening primarily by people who are family related or caregivers. But we certainly try to lessen the risk of elder abuse by putting in those supports and foundations that we talked about during the program. Um, you know, find a way to make sure people aren't socially isolated. Find a way to make sure that people um, have uh, understand that there's places that they can call. Make sure that people don't get taken advantage of by financial scammers and, and anybody else who's out there. Um, and keep an eye out. Again, we're a mandatory duty to report, so if you think something's going on, then you should call in. So think about it this way. If you don't call in and somebody is, is harmed in, a, in a, um, a very strong way, um, a very bad way, by making that call, you may actually help protect someone. So again, if you think somebody is uh, being abused, you know, if their, if their patterns change, if all of a sudden they don't have the money that they used to, if they're nervous, if something's going on, if they show signs of being physically abused, uh, make that call. Another question that just came in, um, will we get a copy of the webinar to share with other staff? Sure. Um, I think we'll post it, and then um, we will, um, I think we will send it out. Right, we'll send it out to everybody who's um, who's actually on this. And um, uh, if, if people want, and um, if, if staff did not, uh, people didn't sign up, but they can certainly email us, um, and um, and then we'll give them the presentation. This is something to be shared. All these webinars are something where uh, we want this information spread. Uh, we're happy to pass it along. And we're also happy to, you know, if you don't get your questions or if you think of something after you watch this and you truly want to get some more information, just get in touch with us. Uh, Tennessee Commission on Aging and Disability, you can call us. You can uh, send me an email. You can send our staff an email. But one of the things we're primarily responsible for, obviously, is advocating for 
older Tennesseans and adults with disabilities, and elder abuse is one of the worst things that we have to deal with. Um, any issues regarding aging, we want you to call us. If you've got a constituent issue, uh, then you call us. Um, or if you want to find more information out, then we're happy to help. So, um, oh, can you get copies of the community resource guide? Yeah, if you'll just call or email us. Um, look at the contact information, I think, is on the last side, which will follow right after this. Um, yeah, just contact us. So, um, we do have community resource guides left, or you can go on our website and you'll find the whole thing. There's our information that just came up. Uh, the next question is, do I come and do trainings at senior centers for staff and or participants? participants? You bet. So um, we are happy to come talk to you all. So if you want us to come, then just send us an email. So um, we, um, we have a very good staff of people. They, um, they are willing to travel. They are willing to come out and talk to your groups. We have a number of issues that we can help you with. Uh, but we're in the business of helping folks. And we are happy to continue to do that. So, if you do want us to come, uh, just uh, just let us know. And it looks like I'm getting one more. Okay, so there are other questions, but I think we're out of time. So I'm sorry. Um, it's 2:15. Uh, so those questions are going to be answered. Um, we will um, get those answers back, and then we will send them to everybody who was on the webinar. So um, thank you all for being a part of this. Uh, we continue to get more and more people who are interested in listening. If there's something that you're interested in that we're not covering, uh, just send us an email as well. But uh, again, um, we are very appreciative of the fact that you joined us today. Uh, I think there's a survey that will come out after as well. Um, please fill it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, again, thank you, and uh, have a good rest of the afternoon.